0: Hi, I'm Kristen, and this is the Simple Handmade Everyday Podcast, where I talk about living a creative, intentional life. I like to chat about quilting, knitting, what I'm reading and watching, and a little bit about keeping a cozy, organized home. You can find me on my blog, Simple Handmade Everyday, and on Instagram at Kristen Esser. Oh, and now we can keep the conversation going on the Simple Handmade Everyday Facebook group. I'll put a link in the notes, and we'd love it if you join us there. I've got my cup of tea in hand, so let's settle in for a chat. This is episode 38. Welcome, friends. It's good to be back. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, welcome and welcome back to all of you lovely regular listeners. I treasure you. So this is the run-up to Thanksgiving. The holidays are full steam ahead here right everywhere we go there's Christmas decorations (laughs) everywhere so I'm recording this the week before Thanksgiving exactly one week before Thanksgiving it's going to be a pretty um mellow affair for us this year which is absolutely fine with me Uh, my two college kids are coming home which I now really appreciate because last year that wasn't the case Chloe was in Norway and so um we missed her but we had a big extended family there um Here for Thanksgiving. So that was great. So this year, it's the the college kids are coming back and my dad's coming. And uh, and that's basically it. So, you know, the menu is set as it (laughs) has been for 10 years now, once I settled upon all my recipes. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. I am. I have to confess that the actual Thanksgiving meal is not my favorite meal. As a matter of fact, it's one of my least favorite meals. I know that's like, you're not supposed to say that. But it's true. I just... I I don't get much out of it, <laughs> even though uh, you know there's lots of people in my family that love it. They love the turkey and they love the gravy, the mashed potatoes, the stuffing, uh, the green bean salad, all that kind of stuff. Green bean casserole. Um, I much prefer what we do at Christmas time, which is more like ham and scalloped potatoes and twice or twice baked potatoes or scalloped potatoes either way you know that kind of stuff the whole turkey thing doesn't do much for me but whatever it is what it is that's what we're eating on that meal along with all of the rest of america i think that i am dealing with a little bit of what i'm going to call low level holiday anxiety does this get to you too um you know, Thanksgiving's not a really stressful. As a matter of fact, you know, I've got kids who are really old enough to help. It's not like my husband and I are really doing the whole thing anymore even. Um, but, you know, just the run up to the holidays, there is a lot piled on. We have busy lives, right? A good busy. I'm not, you know, it's first world, world problems. But you add the holiday stuff on top of that and it's just a little anxiety provoking. Um, and I don't really, you know, I'm like a baby about this because, you know, we just even exchanging gifts within our family is going to be pretty low level this year because we're kind of upgrading phones. And so that's like the big present. That's a huge present really. And, um, we don't do a lot of exchanging gifts outside of our immediate family, but somehow I'm, you know I I guess I'm easily overwhelmed so all those things are kind of floating out there one thing I haven't done that I promised I was going to do two weeks ago on the podcast is do 15 minutes a day to work on this um, family calendar that I put together with photos as a gift for my dad and um I'm avoiding that like the plague. I have no idea why. I do know why. Because it's just, you know, it's hard to get into a new project. Um, But I know that once I'm into it, it'll be completely fine. So anyways. Oh, there's my cup of tea. I forgot to talk about my cup of tea. I am drinking um, Yorkshire Gold. So if you listen to last the last podcast, I can't can't call it last week's podcast, um, My friend Pam from England came and uh, taught us how to brew a proper cup of English tea. And so this is the kind of tea she often drinks, um, Yorkshire. I'll put a link in the show notes. They have like, I think it's called Yorkshire Red and Yorkshire Gold. Um, I guess the gold's a little bit nicer. It's a little bit more expensive, by which I mean, it's not expensive tea at all. Um, so I went for the gold and it's very nice. I'm drinking it with a little splash of cream. <laughs> sorry, not sorry, Pam, who thinks that that is an abomination um, because we continue not to really have milk in this house. But if you listen to that podcast, you will find that Pam um, has very strong feelings about what you put in your tea. <laughs> so go back and listen to episode 37. If you haven't, that was, that was fun. I worried about us being a little giggly, but it seems like people kind of enjoyed that. So there you go. Back to uh, holiday anxiety. Here's another thing I don't do because I get anxious around the holidays is I don't hand make gifts, which seems kind of weird because I do love to make things, but I feel like it just adds a layer of stress that I do not need in my life. So I kind of want to know, do you guys, I don't kind of want to know, I do want to know. Um, I, I will actually put that up as a question in the Facebook group. So join us over at the Simple Handmade Everyday Facebook group, or if you don't want to do that. Totally, totally fine. You know, just comment, uh, send me an email, comment on the show notes or whatever. Do you make gifts, and do you, does it uh, stress you out? Um, do you make them throughout the year, or do you start now and just go, you know, full steam ahead until Christmas? Let me know that. Um, even though I have um, tried to get out of my my box of being a selfish quilter, and I've started to give away more quilts, I've never given that's not true. I usually don't give quilts as gifts for an occasion. I have given my dad um, quilts for his birthday before, but that's it. Otherwise, you know, if you get a quilt from me, it's just because I love you. And it's not, uh, it's not a birthday gift or a Christmas gift. I just give them at a random time because I don't really want any baggage associated with it. I just want to say, I love you. Yeah. So let me know how you feel about that. Once again, I'd like to thank the Fat Quarter Shop for sponsoring the podcast. Fat Quarter Shop is a one-stop show for quilting fabrics and supplies for quilters around the world. They stock quilt shop quality, fabrics, pre-cuts, quilt kits, patterns, notions, and even cross-stitch supplies. Are you signed up for the Quilt for a Cause Quilt Along for 2020? It's called Bloomtopia, and it features Summer Sweet fabric line by Sherry and Chelsea. The sampler combines unique and historical blocks in a vintage style. It's super cute, and you can see it on the Fat Quarter Shop blog. You can reserve your kit today at FatQuarterShop.com, or you can simply follow along starting in February 2020. The Fat Quarter Shop will release two free patterns each month for six months on their blog, The Jolly Jabber. There's a suggested donation of $5 per pattern to the Make-A-Wish Foundation of Central and South Texas. Fat Quarter Shop and Moda will match donations up to $20,000. Just follow along on the blog to download the patterns as they're posted. Let's talk quilting. I've been working on the Sweet Confetti Quilt that I've been talking about over the last few podcasts. It is from the book, Sunday Best Quilts. And um, it is a block that is a um, rectangle, five by nine and a half, and then you sew two of those together and you get a square nine and a half inch block. Each of the rectangular blocks is Composed, comprised of what's the right word there I'm not sure nine triangles I've been complaining about this for months now <laughs> I've been trying to be accurate I have started starching my fabric before I cut it so that it will be more accurate um, and I thought I was doing pretty good here's the problem I think I got cocky and so I think I talked last time about a sew day did I talk about it when was my sew day? I can't remember. I'm sorry. I had a, a sew day with Minky um, when she came over for the morning and, um, and we sewed and chatted and it was absolutely lovely. And I think every block that I made that day was a little bit too big. So, you know, I think I often check my quarter inch seam every time I sit down to sew. <laughs> that sentence didn't make sense. I often do it every time. I, I often do that. And I think I didn't, and it was a little bit off that day. And so I made all the blocks, or I made most of the blocks. I wanted to kind of see how big this was. In fact, I think I need to make more blocks, which I'm a little bit sad about because I'm ready to move to the next level with this quilt. So when I went to sew the rectangular blocks together into pairs, I realized that some of these blocks are like up to a quarter inch bigger than the properly sized ones. And I, I had sort of a mental meltdown because I was like, oh my gosh, there's no way I was going to take them apart. There, it's all these triangles. They would just get so stretched out. So then I start going through like, do I have enough fabric to make more blocks? And then I just, I walked away from it for that day. The next day I came back and I had this idea about, well, what if I pair up the bigger ones? And then kind of try to ease them together. So I, so I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to do one row, and I'm going to see if it works out. And it did. So what I kind of learned, and then I stopped matching the big ones up together. I'm just, I'm matching the bigger ones, the ones that are too big, up with the right size ones, and I'm making the bigger ones the right size, (laughs) basically. So you know that trick where you, what if you have something that's a little. If you have one piece of fabric that's bigger than the other, if you put it on the bottom, so it's touching the feed dogs, those feed dogs, they take up a little bit, they uh, they crinkle things up a little bit, which is why sometimes when you're just sewing two pieces of fabric that you think should end up this, at the same time, the the one underneath is a little shorter. Well, so you're taking advantage of that technique. So I just pinned, I pinned at the kind of like how you do with borders. I pinned at the beginning of the block, and the end of the block, and the middle of the block, and then I just made it work. And um, you know what? It's working. It's working. And I think that I'm able to finagle it. There's a few places where I think the shorter fabric, the shorter block, you know, it gets a little bit of a... A puckery look when it's been stretched which is kind of what's happening here it's a combination of the the feed dogs taking up some and the top fabric being stretched a little bit so there may be meeting in the middle so that maybe they're only going to be an eighth inch off at the end you know and then when I sew those together that'll happen again and then it'll only be a 16th off you know so we'll just you know repeat but it's it's working. I just did one row at a time to see if I could get away with it, and and I am. So I'm excited about that. So I actually the first that's eight rows. The quilt is eight rows, and the t- first four rows are sewn, you know, into rows. And so I just need still need to do the bottom part. But here's the thing: is I decided to not use three fabrics that I was going to use, which meant I was coming up short with my number of blocks. So this quilt is like. Um, I'm going to say 50, 54-ish by 72-ish, which is a very nice throw-size quilt. My, it, It's very much like most of the quilts I make. I don't make very many bed-size quilts. But my favorite quilt, the family favorite quilt, is the first quilt I made. It's from French, French General, um, what are they called, Charm Packs. It's 48 inches wide, and we're a tall family, so like 72 inches long. But there's something about that quilt that makes it feel so lightweight. When I did another patchwork quilt, also with Moda fabric, so, you know, French General's Moda, so I think it's the same, you know, gray goods, the base fabric is the same. I did a Christmas patchwork quilt, same, you know, kind of thing, only I made it one square wider, because I thought, oh, this is a little bit narrow. And there's something about that quilt that feels so much bigger and heavier. So I'm like, oh, maybe I should do another narrow quilt. So currently, um, with the Sweet Confetti quilt, if I don't do that last uh, block on the rows, it's 45 inches wide, which is another three inches narrower than the, um, the French General quilt. And I think it's too narrow. I think it's too narrow. I think that it will feel stingy when you um, snuggle up under it on the couch, which is kind of where all our quilts live. So um, I'm going to have to go make another, what did I figure out? like another 14 blocks or something. So, which is a little bit of a bummer cause I, like I said, I'm ready to move on. But um, I was very excited that um, that I was able to make this work and that I wasn't gonna have to, to go back and remake a bunch of blocks. So um, yeah, accuracy people, it pays to stop for a minute at the beginning. And I stopped, what I was doing is there's a, a center, the, the first block you make, the first unit you make in this block is a quarter square triangle block. And it should finish at three and a half inches square. You know, it's it's, it's that's the unfinished measurement of it. You know, because you're going to sew more things onto it. But I, I was measuring every every time after I did one to go. Okay, are you okay? And I didn't that day with Minky and they're all they're all too big. And I and when I went back to figure out what went wrong, it all started with that that quarter square triangle thing was too big. So, oh, lesson learned. Another thing we've been talking about on the Facebook um, group are Christmas projects and um, and what kind of pr- Christmas projects people are working on. I have a Christmas panel that I bought years ago that I thought that I would just make up my own thing to do with and I've not done it. The next year I actually bought more of the same panel <laughs> because I thought I didn't really have enough of it. So now I have a Ziploc bag full of all these pieces and it's a super cute panel. But I I honestly, I don't really, I don't really know what to do with it. So when I saw Orange Dot Quilts um, do a trunk show at a, where was it? I guess it was the Camarillo Quilt Guild. She has this pattern and I forgot what it's called. It'll be in the show notes. I want to say it's called Only One or something like that. Because the idea is that you use one piece of fabric like a panel or some piece of fabric that has a very large print. All those kinds of things that you don't know what to do with. And she has a stack and whack technique where she turns them into, I think, half square triangles and then lays them out in a certain way that it looks super cool and super modern. So you've got the colors. So in this case... um, even though it's a Christmas panel, it's more wintry. It's got a lot of like light blue, kind of that snowy, cold thing. Um, but she has you lay them out in a certain way that kind of, um, I want to say, does a color wash kind of thing. And they're very cool and modern. And then she actually tells you to put either the piece of fabric or up the panel as part of your back so that you can say this is what this was and this is what it looks like. So I'll put that link in the show notes um, and somebody in the Facebook group actually um, has done her class and uh, and she said it was a very quick and fun uh, quilt to do. So anyways, you know, like not sponsored or anything, but I think it's a, it's, it's a fun Christmas project. So I don't think I'm going to get to that this year but um, I'm glad that I have a plan for that fabric. Let's just say that. Also, I found this Christmas ornament pattern that I thought looked really cool, and Sandy over at Quilt Cabana, she actually did a class. She does sewing classes in her home. Like, I wish I lived next to her. I think it would be so fun to go over there and sew, but they did um, though that exact pattern um, with, a, with a group of women. She said it was really fun, so I'll put a link to that, too, if I can dig it up. I think I put that on the, the Simple Handmade Everyday Facebook page. Um, But if you have any like really fun Christmas um, projects, uh, feel free to share them in the Facebook group, uh, put them on the show notes, just let's share them. The other thing that I want to announce is we um, talked a couple podcasts ago about Aliso irons. I did a review that's on the blog. And when I did that review, I talked about that I created a little, sort of a mini pressing station right next to my sewing machine, which I really got a kick out of I, I found it very useful. So that was a, um, a 17 by 17 inch um, wool pressing pad and the Aliso mini project iron, which is pink and absolutely adorable. And one thing that I haven't really talked about, which is a tailor's clapper. I have one from Riley Blake lots of people make them but do you know what that is it's a piece of wood like if you have like somebody in your life who's a woodworker it would probably not be a hard thing to to make but it's a piece of wood that's all sanded and smooth and once you when you iron a block you put it on top of it and again it's kind of the idea of the the wool pad um, It what it does is it absorbs the heat so it cools it really quick and then your, um, your seam is set and it's flat. So if you've ever ironed a block and you set it aside and it kind of um, bows up a little bit, it's not staying perfectly flat, then you know what I'm talking about. So you iron it and put the, and, and you can pr- press down, but I actually, if I'm doing a lot of units, I just iron it and I lift it up and I just kind of drop it there and I just drop one after another under the Taylor's Clapper with no weight on it. And then when I'm done, I take it off and they're all cool and flat. So I, I love it. I love it. It's just like one of those. Um, again, it's it's a luxury item. You don't need it. But man, gadgets that make my life easier, I'm all about those. So the fun news is, is that I've got a wool pressing mat, an liso, mini project iron, and a Taylor's Clapper from Riley Blake, all as a package to give away in a create your own portable ironing station giveaway. Maybe I will rename that. <laughs> I don't know. But by the time you listen to this, go to the show notes um, and I will put a, uh, a rafflecopter kind of entry thing in there. And so I'm going to have you enter on the blog. I'll announce it also on um, Instagram, but go to the blog, enter for that. And all those people, whoever wins, uh, you know, um, those will all show up on your doorstep. So I'm really excited about that because I am truly love each one of those products. So that's most of what's going on for quilting. Knitting wise, I am knitting away on a sock and I feel like about every 10 rows I have to rip back seven rows. (laughs) So let's just say that it's very slow going. I turned the heel the other night and when I went to, you know, continue it last night, I'm like, I don't like the way these stitches feel on the side and that's going to feel weird on my heel. So I ripped it all back and, you know, I feel like every time I have to rip back, I just think this is good practice for putting stitches back on the needle. Because I heard this quote once that said, if you're not a good ripper, you're not a good knitter. And I think that's very true. If you don't know how to rip back and get things back on the needles, then you're just in for a world of hurt. So practice it. Um, so that's all I'm doing knitting wise. But in rather exciting news, my daughter, Chloe, um, she's, you know, away at college and her roommate crochets and she makes super cute stuff. Like she, Chloe sent me this um, photo of all this on the room, um, all these little crocheted pumpkins <laughs> at Halloween, like very cute. So um, her roommate has taught her to crochet. And in a very short period of time, I feel like in two weeks, she knit a hat, an adorable um, headband, kind of ear warmer that I think has a little twist in it, and an infinity scarf, and she's got another hat on the needles. What's funny about the infinity scarf is that when she showed her roommate it, she's like, how did you do that? Because it actually looks like it's been knit. And it turns out that Chloe was sort of accidentally doing a stitch wrong, but it came out to be this super cool knit look, which I actually like because I personally, you know, obviously I'm a knitter. I prefer knitting. Um, I like the fabric that it creates. I feel that the fabric um, is softer and more drapey. I feel like, and I could be wrong and maybe I just haven't been exposed to enough crochet, but I feel like crocheted, I'm going to call it fabric. The end result is is stiffer and it's often got a lot of more holes in it. So I'm just like, yeah, I'm a, I'm kind of a knitter. Um, but I love that she's crocheting. She does know how to knit and I, I'm not sure she's ever finished anything, you know, back in the day she used to knit, she was knitting a scarf, like while we would read aloud at night. And I just think, you know, the scarf was like 10 feet long and she never finished it, (laughs) but I'm just all about People doing stuff with their hands. Um, and I'm just I'm super excited for her because, you know, she's in college. This is her last year. She's under a lot of stress, and I just feel like, oh, she's got this new creative outlet. So um, I'm super excited for that. And I know we've got some crocheters listening to the podcast, so you have another one in your crochet army. Let's move on to books. I feel like maybe I should put music at these little transitions. I don't know. That'll probably never happen. I have felt, um, a little stagnated in my reading, so I don't have a ton to report here. I am still listening to the book, The Signature of All Things by Elizabeth Gilbert. It is a very, very long audiobook. I finally sped it up to like 1.25 a uh, time, you know, so it plays a little bit faster. Um, I, I finally realized that's what you could do here. I think this book is like 20 hours long. It's insane and um i am enjoying it it's weird <laughs> it's a weird epic long story so um it's a little bit racy at times a little bit weird at times it's uh about a it's mostly about a woman we start with a like the history of her father and then the prologue is actually the day she was born and now i'm like i don't know 50 some percent and she's now 50 years old so I mean I don't know we're we going till she's 100 I have no idea but um she's raised in a wealthy family her father is um a very rich uh like botanist so she's very much botanist in a time where you know this is it is pre-civil war U.S. um east coast although I can't exactly remember where but so it's like in the um yeah, I think right now we're like in about the 1850s and um but she's very she's brilliant. She writes books um and it's just, it's her epic story of her life and um how her her love life plays out, how her I want to call it a career, but it's just really um you know, it, it's kind of a career but nobody's paying her. It's just like her hobby of of botany and the things that she's studying and um and then you find I just got to the point where you find out uh, what the signature of all things is, which is this guy that had this theory that you know that God has imprinted um, himself into each and every um, plant, and that and that is the signature of all things, and that things like um, the heart ho- like a rose represents love to, to most people, right? But he thinks that a rose actually. Is love, you know, like it's just like this super weird woo woo thing. So I don't know. I'm I'm like I, I'm gonna finish it, um, but I'm not gonna give it a, you know a ten out of ten or anything. And I'm not really into the book that I'm reading. Like uh, I want to say paper book, but it's really a Kindle book. So I don't even really want to talk about that. But I did look up a few things a while back. I talked about the show called Home Fires, which I loved, and it uh, that show was canceled. Um, they didn't know it was going to be canceled and so they left it at a cliffhanger and so the guy Simon somebody i don't know can't remember his name right now um he wrote a series of small ebooks that were available are available for like 2.99 to continue the story so that so because the fans were outraged so i've talked about each of these books i bought all four of them I guess it was probably about a year ago. You can now buy them. I bought them at, at, for three bucks each, so what cost twelve bucks? You can now buy them as a set, one through four, for like uh, eight ninety nine. Only ebook. They are not well-written books. I will tell you that. The guy is a better screenwriter than he is a novelist, but if you like those characters, if you're invested in the characters of Home Fires, you get to see how it plays out from the vantage point of the guy who wrote it in the first place. So it's not like somebody else picked up this story. This was where he would have gone with the story had the show not been canceled. Well, a new one came out in October called A Woman's War, Um, I just, as I was like researching this today, I downloaded, I have not even opened it. Um, It's got kind of mixed reviews. Kind of what I'm saying, people are saying, it's not a well-written book, but, and other people are saying, well, I'm just really happy to know what happens to these people. I don't know if that's the end of it or not, um, but for what it's worth, if you have followed along with Home Fires, um, A Woman's War is out. Um, And Home Fires, for those of you who haven't seen it, is a um, England... World War Two, right? Oh my gosh, it's been a long time. It's it's a small little village, and it's a lot about the the women's institute. You know that group of women who get together and they raise money, and there's a whole lot of political shenanigans with that. Um, so it's just one of those you know, it's a, it's women's stories about, um, marriages and, um, you know, all the kind of workplace things that are going on, but it all centers around a group of women who belong to the Women's Institute. So it's, it's, it's absolutely a fabulous show. So definitely watch that if you haven't. Um, I've got a few other books that are on my list of things to read, which I think at this point are just—they're just, just going to stay on the Amazon wish list for Christmas. You know, have you seen those memes about like it's this time of year when your children say, "I need a new th- toothbrush," you're like, "Put it on your Christmas list." Well, that's kind of where I'm at. Um, so I talked about this before, but the new Jeffrey Archer called "Nothing Ventured," which is somehow a continuation of the Clifton Chronicle stories. Um, I'm very excited about that. I very much enjoyed the Clifton Chronicles, which is also one of those epic family sagas that span, I can't even tell you, six or eight books. And I think Jeffrey Archer does the epic story, like, you know, better than anyone. I love, I love those stories from him. Um, My friend Patty over at Elm Street Quilts um, let me know that the new Jojo Moyes has, um, which is a book called The Giver of Stars, is really good. So, so that is on my list. It's on my Amazon wish list. And um, so I will report on those later. But I do need to dig into to something else um, to get me through the end of the year. This is the time of year where I often reread Winter Solstice by Rosamond Pilcher. I it's it's my favorite Christmas time story, um, even though there are there's a little bit of heartbreak in it, um, and I've, I I'm sure I talked about it last year because I, I reread it almost every year, and um, it is a story that starts with some tragedy, but it's kind of an unlikely group of people that end up spending holidays together, um, in this uh, big house, kind of a I've talked about Rosamunda Pilcher almost always has a house that I think of as almost a character in her books. And so it's called the estate house in this case. And um, I have the, the book called The the World of Rosamund Pilcher. And she lived in this house. <laughs> she actually lived, you know, so it's like it's a house built from her experience. So anyways, for weird reasons, a bunch of people show up and end up spending Christmas at this house. And it's the kind of Christmas that you sort of always wish it could be. You know, it's like it's not stressful. People are just buying gifts kind of at the last but they kind of throw things together at the last minute. And, you know, it's it's just it's very heartwarming um, and it's just it's one of my favorite books. So I will maybe pull that one out. There's been some discussion on some Facebook group I'm on about um, Rosamund Pilcher Books which is making me want to reread the first book I ever read from her called Coming Home. Also, epic family adventure, not adventure, really, just epic family story that spans many, many years. There's a couple really cool houses in in this book, too. Nanchero is this kind of mansion. Um, Yeah, there's just there's a few really great houses. So um, I might pull that one out as well. And just this time of year, kind of do that comfort. Let me reread something that feels feels comfortable. The other thing that I wanted to mention, I'm sure that if you're listening to me, you probably listened to Frances over at the Off-Kilter Quilt and the Quilt Fiction podcast. And so she did the whole Friendship Album 1933 story, right? Well, she has released um, a short story that takes one of the characters from Friendship Album and, um, and does a story from earlier in their life, like a backstory thing. And that has been really fun to listen to. So let's move on to fun things to watch on TV while we're doing our handwork or sewing or knitting or whatever. Um, I'm sure you know that The Crown is out, right? The new season of The Crown. I'm only a couple of episodes in. I have feelings about the casting. So I believe this is um, season three and the first two seasons use a certain set of actors for you know, everybody, all the, the principals, the queen and her husband and her sister and, um, you know, her boyfriend and husband and all that. And this was apparently the plan from the beginning. But now they want to take the story. I guess it just is supposed to start a few years later, but they want to take it into the future. So they recast all those characters. And I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about that the casting for the first season was so good. Like if if, you, I saw sort of side by side pictures of each of the characters. And while everybody's perhaps a little better, the actors are a little better looking than the real people. They were, it was really well cast. So um, I could not figure out where the new queen, I could not figure out where I knew her from. And if you were also wondering, if you watched Broadchurch... She is the investigator in Broadchurch. She's the one that's not David Tennant, so that was interesting. Um, I think she's very well cast. You know, it, it's a bit of a leap to take where we ended up with her name was Claire Foy was the the um, the last queen, and this is Olivia Coleman. Like, there's a big age gap between them, so it's it's a bit of a leap. But what are you gonna do, Prince Philip? I think he's well cast. Um, The new one, the old one was really well cast. The new one is, um, I can't think of what his name is, but he is the guy that played Black Jack Randall on Outlander. And if you know anything about that character, he was not a nice guy. And so I'm, I'm struggling. I'm struggling with him as Prince Philip, but it's really not that bad because you know what? I don't like Prince Philip. I think he's kind of a jerk. (laughs) I think that all these men who are in the shadow of powerful women do not handle it well. And so, and he is no exception. Um, and we've got uh, Helena Bonham Carter as Prince Princess Margaret, which um, she seems a little too old for that role. But she really plays the firecracker party girl, not going to play by the rules kind of character very well. Um, and then... Um, I definitely have seen the guy that plays her significant other, uh, husband, what's his name, like Tony or something. I can't quite, I even went to his IMDb page and I'm like, I don't know why I know you. I think he's been on several things. He's just one of those faces. So anyways, I'm only a couple episodes in. So that has been, I'm enjoying that. Um, someone said, I put something on Instagram about who's watching The Crown and um, someone said, I don't, I don't really know about this show. So if you've not watched The Crown, it is um, Queen, the story of Qu- Queen Elizabeth starting from when she is a child to when she is you know all the circumstances leading up to her um you know becoming the queen of england and and the struggles that she went through um you know being basically unprepared and uneducated she and and royalty up to that point they were not really well educated she fixed that actually in real life. She made sure that didn't happen. They were educated more on the, on the religious side of it is that you are the sovereign. You were chosen by God, this kind of thing, and not the fact that you need to really have a degree in political science to be, to do a good job as a ruler, you know, as a leader, even if you are a figurehead, you know? Um, and so she felt undereducated. And so she actually, um, you know, basically brought in tutors to, to get herself educated. Winston Churchill was, um, was instrumental in her, in her education. And, um, and so, you know, I just, it, so many things come up in that show that I go back to and Google to see, did this really happen? Did this really happen? And they have all happened, you know, so of course they are interpreting all the conversations and things, but, um, you know, the, the main, um, signpost events absolutely happened. So, um, that has given me quite an education on the crown, on, on Queen Elizabeth, and so, and so now we're going to continue. Um, when I was checking out the you know, the characters, I saw who they had cast for Princess Diana coming up in the future, and it looks like they really nailed that casting, too. So anyways, if you're an Anglophile at all, definitely watch that. Same thing with Victoria. Um, I actually like Victoria better than the crown, but I've got nothing, nothing bad to say about the Crown. The other um, show that I started watching is called Hinterland. And it is one of those um, kind of, you know, crime shows or um, mysteries. And it's kind of different than my usual. It's very, very dark. So if you liked Broadchurch, um, which I felt very dark you might like hinterland. I wanted to call it like Nordic noir, you know, so that's kind of northern like um, Shetland. And, you know, there's all those ones. But really, I think I have to call it a British mystery because it takes place in Wales and they apparently film it in two languages, um, which I think is interesting. They film every scene twice so that there is an English version of it. It's just it's dark. The main character um, as these detectives always seem to be, is, you know, he's got something in his past. We don't know what it is, but he's definitely sad all the time. And it's it's all very intense. But I still enjoy it. It is so not the cozy midsummer murders where there's, you know, there's a body, a dead body in the vicarage kind of a thing. This is like, you know... um, more like serial killer kind of stuff and so but um, I have been enjoying that it's not a great show to watch while you're sewing because there's a lot of silence and looks and and sweeping views but it is what it is as a matter of fact I have a, a kind of a funny story when I was working on my sweet confetti quilt um, I have the design wall up and I wear um, I have I watch on a little iPad mini sitting on my table at my sewing station and I've got some um, wireless headphones so I can kind of move around so I'm listening. And I'm, you know, I just started a show and I go up to the design wall and I'm moving blocks around and putting them together so I can bring them back to sew and the, the, so far it's the beginning of the show and there's all these little kids and they're in school and there's kind of this somber music and then they're learning to sing a song and it's just, it's all about these little kids in the school. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, why, why are they, what's going on with these kids? It's like, is one of these kids going to die? I'm so like, I don't want to watch this. I I don't want to watch a, you know, uh, a kid, a a story about a kid getting murdered. And then when I sit down to sew, I see the queen and I'm like, oh, I'm watching The Crown, not Hinterland. Nobody has to die. (laughs) I was so excited. So, yeah, all my shows are, you know, kind of they're all getting mixed up in my head at this point. Oh, somebody pointed out to me, and I'm sorry, I don't, I can't, I don't have your name at hand right now. I talked about watching Goliath last time, and I couldn't, rem- I couldn't figure out why it was called Goliath. And I went through this whole thing; it's not his name. And I did think, okay, there's the David and Goliath story, but he would be David, so why is it called Goliath? And then somebody emailed me and said it's because he always goes up against Goliath. So he always goes up against, you know, some big company or something. So that's why that show is called Goliath with uh, Billy Bob Thornton. Uh, totally enjoyed that. Um, My husband and I just yesterday finished Sneaky Pete, which is um, on Amazon Prime. I think it's the third season. And um, that's got uh, Giovanni Ribisi in it. And um, it's about this uh, con man who is in prison with this guy for years. And this guy named Pete Goes on and on and on about his grandparents and their farm and how great his childhood was. He goes on and on and on. And um, our character, Giovanni Rubisi, whose real name is Marius, he is released and he realizes, for whatever reason, he's a con man, that he needs to come up with a lot of money really fast. So he pretends to be Pete and he goes back to um, this these grandparents who haven't seen the real Pete in many many years and pretends to be pete and he's going to con them and steal a bunch of money from them but three seasons later he is still entangled with his family (laughs) and um you know with all kinds of crazy shenanigans happening all three seasons and it, it was good it was a very it was a very enjoyable show um i guess the last thing is um are you watching this is us and if you're not watching this is us why not you are missing out people. I don't even know how you go back and watch the other seasons. I watch it on Hulu the day after it airs, but we are, um, we just had the, the fall finale, um, for this year. And it's just, it's so good. The storytelling is so amazing about the central family and they go back in the past, they go into the future, you know, and it's just the family relationships are amazing. I don't want to give anything away other than it's really good. And the, If you are up to date, I will say that the storyline involving Rebecca is just um, breaks my heart and it scares the heck out of me because I have uh, fears for my future for what's happening to her. So if that's not cryptic enough, but definitely, definitely watch This Is Us because it's an amazing show. I've got to say, these podcasts, they just keep getting longer and longer. I guess I just get a little more chatty each time. So let's just um, talk about the homemaking stuff for a little bit. I don't have any great um, things to say because I don't, you know... This time of year, with the holidays coming, I think that we just need to get our spaces into a place that we feel good about and just maintain it and not put a lot of... This is a stress to to do big things. This is not the time to decide you're going to, in my opinion, clean out your garage or clean out your, your attic. It's good to get you some spaces that you're going to be using deep cleaned, maybe 15 minutes at a time. Watch Diana Denmark. She will walk you through it. Um, but I say, as homemakers, let's just give ourselves a little bit of slack right now. So some of the things I'm just going to kind of talk about what's kind of been going on around here and of things I've been talking about for months. One thing is knocking off little nagging items. And um, we're kind of continuing to do that around here and it feels so good. So um, like we had a toilet handle that really wasn't right, you know, finally got to Home Depot and it's just like, oh my gosh, every time I go to flush that now, I'm just like, oh, I'm so glad this works now we went through, like, we had a few weird things like cracked outlet covers or an outlet cover that had come off in my son's room. I'm just like, again, like it was one trip to Home Depot. Let's just knock this out. Um, Just that that kind of stuff. We actually have upgraded a couple of our outlets to outlets that have USB ports. Um, Actually, we bought those. My husband still needs to install those. But I think that's going to be for like, I don't know, $10 or something. I think that it'll be so nice to, it's got two plugs and then two USB things. So just kind of fun little upgrades like that. Just so doable, so affordable. I finally just like jumped and bought uh, like my son a new mattress. He's been sleeping on the same mattress like his whole, whole life, you know, and he's, he's six foot, four and you know that kid deserves um, a mattress that is not from the 90s, okay <laughs> or early 2000s or something. So just like kind of running through those things every time I like walk by that room and I see that really thick mattress now, I just get that little mental like, yay, you know, that little little satisfaction. Also, it's a really good way to feel like you're doing a good maintenance things on your house without actually tackling the big thing so we're by doing all these little things which is good because like if you sold if we sold our house we'd have to do these things so why not do them for us but we're also not for instance buying a new air conditioner or replacing the entire patio cover or the garage door or all those other things that we really need to do that i don't want to do um so not you know i i'm getting a kick out of continuing to knock little nagging things off my list um I am enjoying my holiday journal. I talked about that in the last um, homemade s- making section on the last podcast about putting together all of your Thanksgiving recipes, all your Christmas recipes, all your cookies and, you know, pie recipes, um, maybe keeping track of the gifts you're giving, the people you're sending um, holiday cards to, things like that, so that it's all in one place every year. You can just pull that out and not have to go through all your recipes to to find those things. I heard from um, several people who said, I've been doing the same thing for 10 years. I love love it. It works. It works so well. Um, So I'm also thinking about what's happening in 2020. Um, I like to set goals and make some plans. I used a passion planner last year. Um, No, I didn't use a passion planner. I'm thinking about using a passion planner this year. Coming year, I used power sheets and I'm kind of weighing those options. Um, I also got a little bit interested in the get to work book, um, and they're all ways of goal setting and then breaking down your goals into smaller, um, you know, doable items so that by the end of the year you've accomplished things. So I think. It doesn't really matter which one you use. I just it kind of having the urge to kind of shake it up a little year, a little bit this year. Um, I totally loved the passion. Uh, <laughs> they all have such similar names. They all are these p words. I love the power sheets, and I highly recommend them if um if you've never done that because it really makes you think about what's important. Like one of the questions they say is like when you're 80 and you look back. What do you want your life to look like? What do you want to have accomplished? Um, And I think that's a really, uh, it's a good question because that's when I I realized um, that I thought I had a lot of business goals, but a lot of those goals pivoted to family goals because when I'm 80, you know what? You know, relationships are what are important to me. So so I might just continue to use um, those kind of things to set goals and keep using my bullet journal to keep track of it. But I don't know, if you have... a a type of planner that you're really passionate about, let me know, let me know what that is. So let's do the one simple swap. Um, I do this little thing of, of one simple swap to, uh, Help us to be a little bit more environmentally conscious. And what I want to talk about today are bar mop towels. So, from Amazon, I just replaced Stars. You can buy like a dozen of these. They're not that big. I'm going to say they're like 12 by 18 or something. Very thick absorbent towels. And I use them for drying dishes. Um, and I realized when I ordered a new pack, we'd had them for like exactly two years. And after two years, they were looking pretty stained and not holes or anything, but but stained and and thin. Like you know, like a lot of the the lint has come off in the dryer. And so those got downgraded to rags. Um, but they're a great way to avoid using paper towels. And you know, for many reasons, I'm sure we all know, we really should not be using paper towels. So having a well stocked drawer of of, of rags. Um, which we do have from all kinds of things but and it's more like I just I keep you know downgrading things to the rag drawer and then throwing away the things that have holes so I'll put a link in the show notes but I don't they were not very expensive um, but to have a dozen you know of these things that are basically you can use them a lot of people just use them as paper towels I use them for a while for like for drying they dry dishes really well because they're very absorbent on um, they're very they're like the complete opposite of a flour sack kitchen towel <laughs> which are very thin and I like to use for like, um, for drying off vegetables and things like that. But these are really thick and are a great replacement for, you know, wiping things down, wiping up spills or drying dishes, whatever, whatever you need. So bar mop towels are an absolute favorite of mine. I like them over what I would call a normal tea towel or a dish towel. Um, you know, that you can just, you know, buy at Target. Bar mops are a little bit more utilitarian and I, and I really like that. Let's talk before I leave. um, I want to thank a few people for leaving reviews. So 123 Bricky D, thank you very much for your review. Very Jerry was checking in about the fire. She said that she was thinking about me with the Southern California fire. So thank you very much for that. And you know, we got through all that unscathed. We did, not everybody did. So, but but thank you for th- for thinking of me and um, God Edward Cullen, thank you very much. So, um, if you're if you're new to the podcast and you enjoy it, I absolutely would appreciate a review or a rating. And, um, and and share it with a friend if you think that you've got someone that might uh, want to join in our little community. Please join the Facebook community. Um, that's been really fun over there. And it, it's a way for the conversation to go both ways. I love to hear from you guys. So thanks for spending this time with me. And we'll see you next time.